0: Thank you for being here this morning. It is uh, it is good to see all of you. Thank thank you to those of you joining us online. Uh, real quick before I get going, I just can can you join me in thanking Ryan Long and David Perez for preaching these last couple weeks? I was able to get a breather and thank you guys. All right, well, I got a question for you, and I and I'm. I'm willing to bet I know the answer. I'm betting that what is on nobody's Christmas list in here this year is this thing that you see on the screen right now, a kingdom, a kingdom. If you have a kingdom on your Christmas list, maybe we need to talk, but uh, I would guess nobody has kingdom on their Christmas list, and it would make sense because we don't here in 2021, here in America, think in terms of a kingdom, right? And we don't say we live in the kingdom of the United States of America, this is not Westbull's Community Kingdom. If you come to our house, we're not going to say welcome to the Harrison Kingdom. Maybe our eight-year-old son Lincoln would say that, but other than that, no, we wouldn't greet you that way. But truth be told, every single one of us, we have a kingdom. Or we have a, a series in, in a few different areas that we would call our kingdoms, wouldn't we? And you may not have a castle or a crown or a, a court jester, but you've got a kingdom. Your phone's a kingdom, right? Just think about your phone. You decide which calls you take, if we even use those for that anymore. okay? You decide what messages you respond to. You decide what apps you install. You you can even decide how they're arranged on your screen and which screen of your phone, if you swipe, that they're on. Your phone's a kingdom. Your clothing is a kingdom. It's an expression of your kingdom inside of you. You Your car is a kingdom. The decisions that you make are a kingdom, because your kingdom is really anywhere that you can express and impose your will on, 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 you know, in your life and, and around you. Now, if, you, if just none of that resonates and there's nothing coming to mind, here's, here's what I'd ask you. What is disturbing you right now? Because the fastest way to find out where you've got a kingdom in your life is to ask, what disturbs me? And here's what I found out this week. I found a kingdom that I never, ever, ever thought was a kingdom in my life. I never thought that I actually cared how this kingdom looked. But it's the kingdom of Christmas cards. Okay? And the way that I discovered this is I came across some Christmas cards that should never have been Christmas cards. I mean, they were just disturbing. In fact, I've got seven of them for us to look at, okay? Because I found out real quickly, these are, this is one of my kingdoms, okay? Take a look at the first one. Okay, so you've got a boy and a girl, and I don't know if you can tell, they're looking at a dead bird on the ground. And at the bottom, it says, Loving Christmas Greetings. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? Why was this a Christmas card? Okay, don't worry, it gets worse. Okay, here comes another one. Okay, we have an egg teacher with egg students, and she's about to discipline them. And then just, see up top there? Merry Christmas. What does this have to do with Christmas? This should not be a Christmas card. It's going to get worse. Keep going. Okay, there's a nutcracker, which we associate with Christmas. There is a massively oversized bird. I don't even know what that is. And then the bottom just says, who's afraid? Who's afraid? I am afraid, actually, if I get this card. You don't want this card. Okay, next one. Okay. That is a dying snowman. Okay. A happy Christmas to you. What? No, that, that shouldn't be a Christmas card. Next one. Thoughts of you. Christmas greetings. Okay, apparently a lion... It's feeling bad about whatever he just had. There's a boot there and it says Christmas greetings. I don't know. I don't get it. What's that? There's a preacher's collar there. Okay. That is a terrible Christmas card. (laughs) All right. Next one. Do not send me that card. All right. Happy Christmas. You could get kidnapped by Santa Claus. You could get thrown in his sack and maybe given away to somebody. All right. Next one. This is the worst one. At the bottom, I don't know if you can see it, it says a jolly Christmas. But what is that on the right? And that guy on the left is not, not jolly. That is for sure. See, whether it's Christmas cards, a phone, the way you dress, your house, your car, whatever it is, every single one of us has a kingdom. And we often don't discover what that kingdom is until we look around our lives and we go, wow, something has disturbed me. Something has disturbed me because the reason it usually disturbs us is because we imagine it looking a certain way. And so, what I want to do over the next few months, or next few months, next few weeks, while we're in December, is we're going to look at this idea of a kingdom. A kingdom for Christmas. Because this time of the year, you, there's another word that you hear a lot. It's called Advent. Advent, and what Advent symbolizes and signifies is an arrival. We anticipate the arrival, we remember the arrival of God's son, a king, at Christmas. There in the nativity, in the manger. We remember the arrival of a king, but also his kingdom. It's where God inaugurated God's kingdom here on earth, with the arrival of a king. But we also look ahead. Because all you have to do is look around, and as we've said, all you have to do is look at the news headlines, and you realize that kingdom has not been fully fulfilled yet. We're far from it, aren't we? And yet we look ahead. It it has begun. It's been inaugurated, God's kingdom. But we look ahead to the fulfillment of it as well. And so Advent is an arrival. And what I want to do is I want us to spend December in Matthew chapter 2. In fact, we're going to spend the entire month in Matthew chapter 2, because there in Matthew chapter 2, you're probably familiar with one of the traditional Christmas stories that you hear about, narratives that you hear about this time of year, is is a visit from the Magi. Okay, the Magi were these wise men from somewhere in the east. Traditionally, we think there were three. We don't know how many there were. But these Magi showed up in Jerusalem, as we'll read here in a moment. And what happened was this kingdom that this time of year we use words like hope and joy and peace, and they're certainly there. But it was also very disturbing as Matthew chapter 2 starts out. In fact, read this with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come To worship him. Did you catch that? A question and a statement. Two things they said, and and those two things, those two brief statements, the question and the statement, it was too much for King Herod, because here's what we read in verse three. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Like those cards, it doesn't quite say Merry Christmas, does it? In fact, if you know anything about Herod, and we'll discover more about Herod in the next few weeks, you realize it makes perfect sense that the arrival of this king in this kingdom would be so, so disturbing. Now, you could look at this. You could look at what it says here. And honestly, you could read it and you could think, well, there's a king And it's talking about a kingdom. And here in 2021, in Littleton, Colorado, I just don't think in terms of kings and kingdoms. And you can keep that 2,000-year barrier between us and Herod. But when we look at just those two statements, the question and the statement that the Magi asked and that they said, we begin to get some clues as to why this was so disturbing, not just to Herod, but to you and I. Because it orients us to some things in our own lives that honestly may disturb our kingdoms. See, the arrival of God's kingdom could very well disturb each of our own little kingdoms. And that's what we're going to look at this month. But the arrival of God's kingdom brought something so much greater than any of our kingdoms could bring us. And so as we walk through, I just want to walk through these two statements that the Magi said this, uh, spoke this morning. And, and we'll move through Matthew chapter 2 this month. But look at, look at what they started with. Where is the one? Where is the one? Now, this would have been odd. Where is the one? Keep in mind, they're in Jerusalem. And what was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was like the epicenter of God's activity, right? I mean, you had the religious leadership there, the teachers. Everybody was there. Jerusalem had a long history of being like this epicenter of, of, of focus, of what God was up to. And so when the Magi from the east, from this far-off land show up, they ask this question that everybody in Jerusalem would have been like, what? Why would you even ask a question like that? Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? I mean, you're in Jerusalem. Now, if I could jump over to Littleton, Colorado, 2021, we, can, we have that. It, it, there's this thing with proximity for us. You know, w- when you look around... The things closest to you and the people closest to you, we tend to surround ourselves with people who think like us, look like us. Of course, we don't all look the same, but we tend to gravitate in some spheres of familiarity. You know, those areas where we're very alike, other people. You know, when, when you think about the people in your life, there might be a social similarity, yeah, you know, there might be a political simil- similarity. It might be demographic, it might be generational, all kinds of things. But we tend to gravitate to the people that look and think like us. And so you can just hear Herod, it doesn't say it here, but you can hear him going, what, why would you even ask that? You're in Jerusalem. You're in Jerusalem. But this king, this baby king wasn't being born in Jerusalem, was he? See, oftentimes, it's like sitting in the car. You ever sat in a car, and you got the music so loud, and then when you finally shut the music off, you go, oh, the car's making noise. <laughs> I suppose maybe I should have turned the music down a little bit. See, as long as we're sitting in the car with people who think like us, listen like us, look like us, we may not ever hear the sound the car's actually making. And you know, we used to take our car to a mechanic, and whenever there was an issue with it, I'd show up, and he would stand on the sidewalk. And he'd say, okay, I'm going to stand out here, and I want you to just drive it by me. He wouldn't get in the car, because why? Because he couldn't hear as well. He couldn't diagnose as well. And so here's everybody sitting in the car that is Jerusalem. And Herod and all Jerusalem are disturbed. It's almost as though it was offensive that they would ask, where would this king of the Jews be born? Of course it would be Jerusalem. Jerusalem see, God may, he may want to disturb our proximity. He may want to disturb the environment in the close circles that we walk around in. That's one way his kingdom disturbs ours. Well, the question goes on. Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? And you can hear Herod again, can't you? Well, what are you talking about? I'm the king. I'm the king. And yet, you know what this was? This was God disturbing Herod's very power. See, in about 37 B.C., Herod, referred to as Herod the Great, and when you hear Herod, it wasn't just one guy. Herod was actually the name of a family of people. So there are all kinds of Herods that you, you read about when you, when you look back at history and in Scripture. But Herod the Great was appointed king in 37 B.C. And if you know anything about Herod, Herod was bloodthirsty about hanging on to his power. There was nobody he would not get rid of in order to hang on to his power. And yet, listen to their question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? That is, Herod, you're, you're a king. You are not the king. You are an earthly king. You are not the eternal king. You are an appointed king. That is, the Romans appointed him as the Romans were taking over they said, look, we need, we need somebody to look over this region, and so Herod, you're it. And this made the Jewish people all kinds of, they were so mad. Because they wanted a king that was Jewish, and that wasn't Herod. But they said, you know what, Herod, you, you babysit this region. That's the kind of king you'll be. You'll be like a puppet king. And sure, he had great accomplishments and great achievements, but he was to oversee on behalf of the Romans. So he was an appointed king. But he would not be the anointed king, the one anointed by God. And in many ways, we could look around our lives, couldn't we? And any power you and I have, honestly, it was given to us. We did not rise to it, it was not of our own volition, our own strength, our own wisdom. We were put there, and it's temporary. It's temporary, temporary by virtue of our, our limited human lives. So maybe God wants to disturb our proximity. Maybe God wants to disturb our power. But they, they said something else that would have disturbed Herod greatly as well. Listen to what, what they said as it goes on. We saw his star when it rose. We saw his star when it rose. Is it possible that God also wants to disturb our ways, of, uh, our, our picture of his ways. You know, a star rising, you, do you want to know what people associated that with? Astrology. I mean, these were magi. Some believe they were magicians that might have actually been into astrology. And so a star, a star that w- when they were in the east, they saw this star rise, they would have thought, oh, there's something to that. And maybe they started out their journey thinking this was an astrology thing. And yet, as they moved toward it, as they followed this star, they discovered this was not an astrology thing. This was a God thing. This is absolutely a God thing. But the people in Jerusalem maybe would have paid no mind to it. And you got some of those areas where you look around and you think, well, God only works a certain way. He only works through certain music, certain people, certain ways of doing things, certain places. We all have that. And the whole time, Herod's got to be thinking, well, he's got a star, but i a I got a crown. Right? I mean, clearly, maybe that's the picture of God vindicating and validating us. Right? Don't we point at crowns? Don't we point at our earthly possessions, our earthly things, to say, yeah, God has God really blessed that person. God has really blessed you. God has really blessed me. And we're pointing at a crown on our head. Meanwhile, what's God doing? This thing that they so associated with astrology, don't forget Psalm 147. He counts the stars and he knows them by name. He holds it all in his hands. He arranged the stars, calls them by name. Frederick, Jill, He knows them, TC179-er. They've all got names. I doubt that's what he called it. But anyway, maybe God wants to disturb not just our proximity, not not just our notion of power, but also our picture of the ways and the timing that he operates. And then finally, they finish that sentence with this. We saw his star when it rose and have come... To worship him. I mean, did you catch what he said there? What they said there? These are magi from the east. These are not people in Jerusalem. These are not the people who supposedly knew all about God. Who would have been vigilant for what God was up to. No, he took people that were far off from him. People that never would have been considered qualified or candidates. And he drew them. To worship Him. See, maybe the other thing God wants to disturb is our picture of who gets worship and who He draws into that worship. Because if you and I are looking in the mirror, there are a lot of days we're looking for the worship, aren't we? In some way. We want everything and everyone around us to to just fall and, and submit to what we think, what we want, what we're about And yet this is the reminder that Herod, Jerusalem, God says, I will draw whoever I want into the worship of me. And it doesn't matter how far away they are. See, we're all in a forum. We sit on the throne of earthly king and queen, don't we? And we're all looking for the progress of our kingdoms. I mean, i got to be honest. This was me last week. Something happened last week. You knew this was coming up. You knew this was coming up this morning. Something happened last week that has not happened in 10 years. And some of you are like, what, what happened? Michigan beat Ohio State. That is what happened. If I see you get up and leave right now, I know who your team is, okay? But I remember, I'm jumping up and down. I'm going crazy because it was just, a, I mean, it was a beat down. It was like 110 to zero. That's how I remember it. But anyway, so I'm like running around the house and Kara, my wife, I mean, she's happy, but she's like, "Eh, cool. I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me, what? Okay, Kara doesn't care. I run outside. Surely the neighbors are outside like with a parade in our cul-de-sac. Nobody's outside. Can you believe it? Nobody's outside. I turn on the news. They didn't say a thing about it. Local news said nothing about Michigan beating Ohio State. Huh. Crazy. So then yesterday, we're we're downtown. By the way, Chatfield High School won the state championship yesterday. Congratulations. That is hard as a Columbine guy to say, but I'm also very happy for Chatfield. So they they win the state championship and, and leaving the stadium. It was just a picture of kingdoms all over the place. Okay, they played Erie. And you could, tell, you could tell who had the Erie kingdom because it was just dreary for Erie, okay? But then, and then you see Chatfield and everybody's jumping up and down and, and they're at the buses waiting for the team to get on. And honestly, I was happy for them, but I was, I was still focused on my kingdom. I mean, Michigan played again last night, won the Big Ten championship. That was incredible. But I saw this bus driver with a Michigan hat and a Michigan hoodie and I went, that's my guy right there. And so, you know, I'm I'm screaming, go blue to him. He's screaming, go blue. And I thought, we're the only two people that know the real kingdom around here. (laughs) We're the only two. See, isn't that what we do? We all have these kingdoms that that we operate in. And we think like those in proximity to us in different ways, different spheres, different areas. And we think according to our power. We think, according to, that that must be God's picture of favor and blessing that Michigan wins, right? <laughs> and we think, we think, according to worship, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. We've found ways to worship other things outside of God. And so the arrival of this baby, not in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem, is a reminder there's a greater kingdom breaking in. And it's a kingdom that might just disturb every kingdom we've got. I, I, I giggle a little bit because at this time of year, as I mentioned a little bit ago, we use words like, um, uh, or, or I think about Christmas carols. You know, um, I, had to, I couldn't even memorize this. Tidings of comfort and joy. And you know what I picture tidings of comfort and joy? I, I picture what I like. Oh, good tidings, comfort and joy. Yeah, double-stuffed Oreos. That's tidings and comfort of joy, okay? You know, we use words like hope and peace and joy and love. And the reason we, we like those and we think of those, and maybe even the mental image we get, is because I'm imagining in some form my kingdom. And in some form, you may be imagining your kingdom. Yeah, that sounds like Yuletide. tide. And tidings of comfort and joy and hope and peace and comfort. And see, we can see all of that through the lens of us or, or. We can see it through the lens in which God intended it. The lens of Jesus. See, joy this time of year, peace this time of year, hope this time of year, and all year around really has a lot more to do with his kingdom. It has everything to do with his kingdom, not ours. And so in Matthew chapter 2, and during Advent, we're reminded of the arrival of a kingdom that Jesus would talk about so much in his lifetime. Remember how he taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Do you want to know what Advent and Christmas are? It's a choice. It's a decision that we're confronted with. Do I want thy kingdom come or my kingdom's comfort? Is it going to be thy kingdom come, Lord, or my kingdom's comfort? See, I say all that. I bring that word comfort up because what comes next after the question and the statement of the Magi suddenly makes perfect sense. Read it with me in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, what we got to understand is Herod being in place. We get why Herod was disturbed, right? I mean, his his picture of his surroundings, his power, any idea he had of how God operated and worship, it was all disturbed. But the interesting thing to me in this is that all Jerusalem was disturbed with him because honestly, Jerusalem did not love Herod. Again, I mentioned it earlier, he wasn't Jewish. He represented a crowd that they didn't think should have been on the throne. But the thing about Jerusalem, and many historians have written about this, they've written about the dignities of the Jerusalemites. The dignities of the Jerusalemites. And the dignity, the way of life of those in Jerusalem was a very posh, very comfortable way of life for the nobles. And so much has been written about their traditions and their ways of doing things. Much was written about just the, um, the extravagance that many of their gatherings had, especially the elite of society. You know, you, you had a certain kind of dress. You had a certain way of behaving when you showed up somewhere. And if somebody showed up that wasn't in good favor with people, If somebody showed up and they didn't dress the part, if they didn't look the part, if they didn't look right, if they didn't behave in a certain way, if the servants didn't serve the guests in the proper way, then they looked down on that, harshly. And so as you look at Jerusalem, there there are actually maybe a couple reasons they would have been disturbed. Because Herod's lifestyle was really, it, it overflowed into the lives of the people. They lived, many of them, extravagantly, judgmentally. They looked down on one another. If you showed up and you were out of favor, you were despised in some form. See, they wanted their kingdom. They wanted the comfort of their kingdom. And so as they looked around, they didn't want a savior king that would convict them, but ultimately save them of their sins. They wanted a Herod. A Herod who could maybe enable their lifestyle. You go on. Herod in place. Herod in place also meant a collision. And this would have been disturbing for them. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem, this is no small town, and all Jerusalem with him. Now as I sat with this, you know, I sat there and I thought, okay, there could be this 2,000-year barrier between what they were going through and what we were going through. But I realized that everywhere I go, and especially the last couple years, you know, we have a staff member who has um, coined this phrase that I thought was great. God has just kicked us through the doors of difficulty the last couple years, hasn't he? And as I think back through my life, I realize God has kicked me through the doors of some difficult conversations. And the reason some of those conversations have been difficult is because I realize my kingdom and its comforts and and all that I like about it, it's colliding with with other kingdoms. It might be God's kingdom. It might be other people's kingdoms and what's comfortable for them. And i got to admit, my kingdom wants to rise up. And my kingdom wants to fight for me. And yet, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what our statement is? Thy kingdom. Kingdom come. Thy will be done. That means I've got to look at the people in my life. I've got to look at the areas of my life. I've got to look at those things that maybe I'm disturbed and maybe it's a kingdom and say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So whether it's a material object in your life, is it having more influence than it should? Is it a relationship? Is it a way of thinking? Is it a habit we feed? Is it places we go where you may know exactly what God would want? And yet we say, no thanks. I, I want to preserve my kingdom. See, there's a choice. Thy kingdom come or my kingdom's comfort. Maybe the question, and this is where I really want us to land this morning, and we'll build on this in the weeks to come. Am I willing to let thy kingdom come disturb my kingdom's comfort? And I can tell you this. If you're willing to let thy kingdom come, his kingdom, disturb your kingdom's comfort, there is a kingdom. There is a kingdom that when you live in its ways, all those things we sing about at Christmas, you will tide comfort and joy, hope, peace, joy, all of it, I'm still figuring out what Yuletide means. But anyhow, you know what? You will live those things. You will experience those things in a much deeper way. Am I willing to let thy kingdom come to serve my kingdom's comfort? Now, let me end with this because there's no picture my wife and I and our family have, have that, that says it maybe more than this. And if you have a cat, you'll get this, okay? This was our first pet, Miko. Okay, Miko's the cat, not the child, by the way, okay? But that baby is Lainey. She's our oldest. That's Lainey like three days after she was born. Now, how many of you own cats or have ever owned cats? Okay, so you get kingdoms, right? Whose kingdom is it when you have a cat? It's their kingdom. And you can try to tell the cat, it's my kingdom. You live in my kingdom. And you know what? They don't care. They don't care. And so you can imagine when this baby showed up. For the first time, this interaction right here. And we waited there with bated breath because I thought, what is this cat going to do to this child? But I guess that's the question I would ask you. Would you let the arrival of a baby, of a baby born in Bethlehem, would you let it disturb the comfort of your kingdom? Because there is something incredible if your answer to that is yes. Now, there's another reason that all Jerusalem was disturbed, and it had everything to do with the kind of person that Herod was and what he was prepared to do to defend his kingdom. And what he was prepared to do is something that sits inside you and me and every single one of us, and we'll pick up there next Week As the worship team comes up, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we are just so reminded of your incredible, incredible patience, mercy, and grace with us, especially at Advent, that you would look upon us and you would see a human race that had gotten so out of alignment with you that instead of doing away with them and pouring out your wrath, Instead, you said they need a king. And so, you sent a king. And during Advent, I pray that every single person in here, as we move toward Christmas, as we remember the arrival of our king and his kingdom, Lord, we pray that you'd open our eyes, that we would begin to look around, that Matthew chapter 2 would begin to jump off the pages, that you'd begin to nourish and stir our hearts to vigilantly watch for you. To remember the arrival of that king, but also the great anticipation of his kingdom when it fully comes and he returns. We pray all this in Jesus' name.